Now, I know some of you here um, quite well, and um, some of you I don't know at all. But uh, I'm Dave Parr, and I've latterly been vicar of Woolley and Swainswick. In fact, I'm the last ever vicar of Woolley and Swainswick because of uh, cutbacks. But um, they're being incorporated into Larkhall Parish. But uh, I'm the last ever vicar since 1297. So uh, I feel quite honoured to have been in that position. But um, anyway, that amalgamation has been on the cards for, for quite some time. It's lovely to be with you here this morning. Thank you for welcoming me here. Um, I don't know if you had any choice in me coming here, but uh, it's, it's great to be here with you this morning. Well, in my life as a vicar, I do a fair number of funerals, and um, clergy often love talking about funerals. I'm not quite sure why, but anyway... Um, part of it is because we have the privilege of meeting with families to talk about their loved one's life. And usually people will say something like, oh, they were a good person. Um, Or how they've helped somebody or how they were... um, kind to animals or something. Um, And actually, this seems right and proper that people express these things about a loved one who has died. And you want to give thanks to God for a person's attributes and how they connected with people. And um, occasionally people will say, oh, she was no saint, or... um, He was a lovable rogue. Usually, however, families will say of a loved one, he or she never had any enemies. And I can understand the sentiment. But having also taken a number of weddings, I know that that's not true. (laughs) Um, And whilst people tend to invite people they like or people who are like them to a wedding, they also are obliged to invite the awkward cousin or the loud aunt or an outspoken grandfather who says inappropriate and insensitive things. I've also uh, had a brief spell as a planning officer and I'm very conversant with the Party Wall Act and um, people are often complaining about their neighbours. Oh, my neighbour's done this and, and they've come an inch over their boundary and, um, and you'd have to try and sort the whole thing out. Of course, they forget that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And actually, that doesn't really matter, an inch of land. Um, anyway, we might not necessarily call such people our enemies, but they can be at uh, en- enmity with us. You know who your enemies are, those who cause you stress, those who wind you up. The reason loved ones may say they never had any enemies is because we have a tendency not to give our enemies much time. And why on earth would we want to? Well, in the reading that we've just heard, Jesus says, In his sermon on the plain, listen, 
love your enemies. He says it to the disciples and apostles when he's just, whom he's just chosen, including uh, Judas uh, Iscariot, who, of course, would betray him. Judas identified with um, people who uh, perhaps saw Jesus as an enemy. Maybe Judas wasn't listening to this teaching of Jesus. But a great number of people were listening. They had their ears open and they heard something which was actually a bit of a new teaching. They would have known from Exodus the rule of law which taught them an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And it goes on a hand for a hand, a foot for a foot. In Matthew's account of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is recorded as saying, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you. And then he goes on, how could Jesus say, but I tell you? Because he is the word made flesh, the God man. What Jesus says fulfills and supersedes what has gone before. Well, what is it that Jesus tells the people about loving enemies? Jesus has no time for sin. He says, if your right eye or hand causes you to sin, gouge it out, cut it off. But Jesus has endless amounts of time for sinners. Why? Because he knew these were the people he would give his life for. And he wanted to spend time with them and know them. For them to know him. My sheep know my voice and they follow me. But they run away from the hired hand. Jesus perhaps referring to the Pharisees hired through the temple tax, maybe, to do good, but who run off if ever there's a complaint or a difficulty and blame someone else. They run off to their uh, Roman leaders. My sheep are not of this fold, this self-righteous, falsely pious fold of blind guides. Those are words that Jesus used about them. As the good shepherd, Jesus flung open with arms outstretched the gate of the sheepfold and was trampled upon by sinner after sinner after sinner. He loved each one so very much. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who ill-treat you, who trample upon you. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, says, Take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. I wonder if that's our attitude. Our will, our ego, our pride, our rights all get in the way of loving our enemies.
Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They're Jesus' words. Listen to what I'm saying. Loving enemies often begins with us putting aside our own agenda and inviting our Father to exert his good, pleasing and perfect will in a situation. And then comes forgiveness. How many times should I forgive when I'm sinned against? Seven times? No, a humanly impossible 70 times seven. Father, forgive them. Help me to forgive. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. If you forgive anyone their sins, they're forgiven. If you don't forgive them, your Father in heaven won't forgive you. Everybody hurts sometimes. And sometimes reconciliation with enemies is impossible, humanly speaking. I know that there are hurts in our lives which go on aching. We can choose to forgive. I've often thought of forgiveness in this way. Forgiveness, foregoing our own need for retaliation or even for the other person to say sorry. And forgiveness, giving to that person instead. Not an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But what is the cloak or tunic that someone has taken from you? A possession, time, a friend, a family member. What has been taken from you? And yet you can give something to them. It just doesn't make sense, humanly speaking. But when God's in it, he can transform your attitude and your approach in that situation. In my youth group as a boy, there was a, a poster up of um, a squirrel with a nut bouncing on his head. And um, I think it was thrown by another squirrel. And it read, love your enemies, it'll drive them nuts. Which I thought was quite fun. Um, in fact, what it will do, if you love your enemies, is to cause them to think, to look at the good news of Jesus Christ and his love for the first time, maybe, or afresh. They'll know we're Christians by the love we have for each other. Greater love has no one than this. He laid down his life for his friends. We can do this. Jesus did this for friends and enemies alike. His grace and mercy are there for everyone. Well, the next bit of our gospel passage talks about love in action. There are many stories of how people have loved in spite of their own feelings. 
Sorry, I'm just having trouble reading my writing at the moment. Um, They've loved in spite of their own feelings or what looking on would seem like an opportunity for revenge. But the best of these stories show love, shows love that goes beyond, beyond themselves and embraces the other, the enemy. This bit of the passage progresses, this thought, love those who love you. Well, it's okay. No points, perhaps. No heavenly points. Love your enemies. One point. Do good to them. Two points. Lend without expecting anything back. Three points. Well, it's not quite like that. It's not a scoring system. But you get the idea. Great is your reward, is actually what it says, when we practically love our enemies. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Would you rather people avoided you or embraced you? I mean, you might not want people to physically embrace you, but you know what I mean. Would you rather people took from you or gave to you? Would you rather people turned their back on you or showed you God's great love? We can only love because he first loved us. Humanly speaking, loving enemies is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. When you're loving and giving, your reward will be great. And you'll be sons of the Most High because he's kind to the ungrateful and wicked. We do it because he does it. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us, the Holy Spirit's power. For us it is a power that overturns the only true enemy, which is the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, the powers of darkness, that's to say the barrier of sin that was between us and God and us and our fellow men and women is broken by Jesus' death and resurrection, by his body and blood. It's a wonderful thing. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. We might be called children of God. That's who we are. His beloved children. Let's not be at odds with those who God would call children. Let's play nicely with each other. I know that there are things that we go through, things that may be unspeakable, perhaps things that have been done to us where it would be inappropriate or maybe just not possible to pursue loving your enemy. 
in any more of a way than choosing to say, God, I can't do this. Or maybe possibly choosing to forgive. And even then, it may be a position that you're not in at this moment. My prayer for you, if that's you this morning. I'd just like to quote a bit from the passage just before. People all tried to touch Jesus because power was coming from him and he was healing them all. That would be my prayer for you, that you would be healed if you're in such a situation that is so tough. That you would feel the touch of Jesus in your life. But then generally, if there are people who you are at odds with, I'd like to pray a prayer uh, as I finish now. And it comes from the funeral service. My hope is that you don't have to wait for a funeral to put things right and love your enemies. Let us pray. You are tender towards your children and your mercy is over all your works. Heal the memories of hurt and failure. Give us the wisdom and grace to use aright the time that is left to us here on earth to turn to Christ and follow in his steps in the way that leads to everlasting life.